Welcome to Icetown Clowns, a podcast reviewing every episode of NBC's Parks and Recreation. Today we're reviewing Season 2, Episode 7, Greg Pokitis. This episode originally aired October 29th, 2009, and my uh, IMDb summary guy got a little creative this week, apparently. But awesome. Leslie tries to stop a high school punk who vandalizes the park every Halloween, but will he get the last laugh? Meanwhile, Anne's Halloween party is a bore until Tom saves the day. Uh, it was directed by Dean Holland, written by Michael Shore himself, and Harris Whittles is still serving as the story editor. So, what'd you guys think? Greg Pakaitis's opening gambit is straight Bart Simpson, but that's not an insult. That's just good comedy. I think Greg Pakaitis, while he comes to a bad end in this episode, found great success later in life as the CEO of Turing Pharmaceuticals. And <laughs> Deep cut. Thank you. Um, yeah, so the, there's not really a cold open, at least in the way I define cold open, which is not having anything to do with the plot. I don't really know if that's the definition of cold open, but, um, so this kind of gets right into the main plot of the episode where Leslie has shown up at the local high school to confront, um, a... High school sophomore? I mean, how old can he possibly be? Like 15? He's 16. No, he was 16. He said he's 16. Uh, can you just walk into a high school like that and start harassing <laughs> students? I don't... Maybe in Pawnee, Indiana, you could just walk in. Like, there wouldn't be metal detectors or, or such a great sign-in system that you could walk in. But it's... Doubtful. You, I mean, you absolutely could on my campus in Petaluma, California, just walk onto campus. Like, it was frowned upon. You were supposed to check into the office, but Leslie's breaking a lot of rules here, I think, and, you know, civil procedure, criminal procedure, and police procedure. I think not signing in at the principal's office is the least of her concerns after That's her illegal detention and kidnapping. That's definitely true. This is, the, but the, given, the, given the laws we have in place to protect children, especially to protect them at schools, this might be the most criminally dangerous thing that she does in the entire episode in terms of the possible penalties that could be inflicted upon her by the legal system. Well, and also because she seems to know where he is. Like, did she find a copy of his class schedule? Like, how did she search every classroom until she found him? Like, it raises a lot of questionable issues. Also, when he says, nope, you look great, and she gets a little flustered and smiles before remembering that she's, like, angry at him, is really disturbing. <laughs> really not okay that... Leslie, nope, cougar. Right. <laughs> How could you have a history of conflict with someone who's 16 years old? Like, did this start when he was 12? 
Clearly, you've never met a 16-year-old Kirk. Like, there's a lot of conflict to be had with them. I'll have you know that I was 16 for almost an entire year, so I definitely knew 16-year-olds. Yeah, but as an adult, 16-year-olds are far more annoying than you thought they were at 16. Uh, None of my interns falling under this category. I am a Sunday school teacher, though none of my kids are 16. They're all, like, 13 or 12, so. Okay, fair enough. Haven't quite blossomed into Greg Pachytis' yet. And if they stay in Sunday school, they never will. I don't know. I'm the teacher, so. <laughs> right, right. Um, so then, Anne, our kind of B plot here is that Anne is having a Halloween party, um, and she tries really hard to not invite Tom, but it turns out Gary's already invited Tom. Jerry. Man, Jerry. That really gets wow. you. Jerry has already Spoiler. invited Tom. I know. Um, so, which, I don't know, as annoying as Tom is, like, I would still invite that guy to a party. He's fun, right? I, like, I I don't know, you might feel differently if he was aggressively hitting on you while being married at every opportunity. That's true. Good point. Good point. Again, my feelings for Aziz Ansari get really confusing, and so I can't accurately judge his behavior just based on what we know here. So, you're right. If I knew that then it would probably be different. Um, this So I had a really hard time taking notes on this episode because of how often it switch back it switches back and forth between the two plot lines. It'll be like half a scene, half a scene, half a scene. And it made it really difficult to sort of go through and synthesize. Yeah, and I, I definitely had the same issue. Um, but there's... A lot of Pawnee history that is established here, which I really appreciated early on, that I did, I do think I got down in my notes pretty well, including the Pawnee Bread Factory fire of 1922, <laughs> uh, where Mayor Percy heroically saved the recipe for Pawnee, Pawnee Pumpernickel while dozens of people burned to death around him. Good man. Right. And he does look sort of like Ron Swanson. He does. I also love, this is just kind of in this entire episode, that you can see Louis C.K. really questioning his life choices, not even just at the (laughs) end, but like even starting here, he's like, didn't a lot of people die in that fire? Just the reaction he has to everything that Leslie is saying. I think Kirk and I have both probably had that with a candidate we were managing at some point where they're like, I need you to go do this to a third party. And we're like, you have no legal authority to, uh, to order them to do that. And it would be deeply troubling if they did. Please ignore all of these orders. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like a major part of the job of a campaign manager is preventing your candidate from actually following through on many of the terrible, sometimes illegal ideas that they might have. Not that they're trying to break the law, nor that they even actually do because they have good staffing to protect them. But it gets so flustered during a campaign that it's very easy to try to take the most uh, aggressive possible actions. And those often aren't the right ones, particularly if you're just protecting a statue for $8 an hour. Right. So I guess, I mean, we'll have to see in future episodes, but I think this might be how Andy starts to work for the parks department. Maybe. Um, which is not really how I remember it happening, but I guess this is for his first official uh, city job, right? 
And they finally bring him in some logical way into the plot of the overall episode, right? He's not just an appendage to Anne or someone trying to be an appendage to Anne. Now he's actually his own character with a relevant stake in the story. So that was a lot, a lot better. And we do get the first appearance in this episode of one of the greatest recurring characters in all of Parks and Recreation. Burt Macklin. I know, I know. I it's way later in my notes, but I agree. I was very excited to see Burt Macklin. Um, also, not what I remembered first um, appearance of Burt Macklin being. I won't say what it is because we haven't gotten to it yet. But um, I had forgotten that this is where it shows up. Many of our Parks and Rec characters needed more than an appearance to get them quite right, so he's just a little behind, like the rest of them. Yeah. Oh, also, it it has been pointed out to me that apparently Chris Pratt has been in the credits since the very beginning. Um, We were speculating about that on a previous episode. So, um, yeah. Apparently my whole he wasn't a full, like, member of the show yet, just nonsense. He's been in the the credits from the very beginning. Thank you for follow-up listeners. <laughs> so, so I do need to ask us, how do we feel about Anne's what feels like just a little bit of slut-shaming here very early in the episode? With the, like, you know, slutty sorority girls, you'll have to pump your own stomachs tonight? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Sorry. Leslie... I actually thought that was funny. It is funny. <laughs> slut-shaming can be funny. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think that actually it's something that we see uh, throughout the series is that Leslie and Anne are not, no one is perfect at all, right? And they definitely both do some slut-shaming kind of throughout. And it's something that sort of bonds them together somewhat, right? Is that they, they look down their nose at a certain type of woman and they make snotty comments about it, which is true of most people I know, <laughs> you know? No, no, no. I just, I, like, I, I, I'm fine with it. I just wanted to, to bring it up because it, it definitely was a thing I noticed. Um, and a, another line I loved early on was the, that looks like something a serial killer would make. Definitely a thing I have said to people who work for me before after they showed me their field or finance plan or plan to win the campaign that just had way too many details in it. Uh, I think Kirk can probably uh, attest to that, and Katie's probably (laughs) seen a trial plan that looked similar slash made one. Well, and I, just in general, I'm not really allowed to talk about serial killers, so... (laughs) <laughs> side podcast again <laughs> awkward <laughs> um so ron is the first guest who shows up to ann's party which i can really empathize with because i am not capable of really being fashionably late to something like if the party starts at seven i make plans to be there at seven and it's really it's gotten to a point where like Carter has had to, we've had to sort of say that something starts later than it actually does, just so that we won't be in this position that Ron has been in, because if I get it in my head that something starts at a certain time, I am there. So I have been this first person so many times. Yeah. 
as have I, at a party where Carter was fashionably late. Oh, yeah. I should probably tell. Maybe I should tell that story. So the second time I met Jacob, um, not the first time where we didn't actually know each other or speak or interact, but the second... And not actually the second time we'd met, the second time Katie remembers. Right. Second time I remember meeting Jacob. Um, we were having a party, and we had invited various people, and Carter had invited his friend Jacob, who worked with him in the state legislature. But I didn't really know that. And so someone buzzed the gate, and I went down to let them in, and there was, along with my friends, there was a, just a dude outside and i thought he just wanted to come in to go to whatever other apartment in the building he was coming to so i was like sure come on in um because apartment security is not very important to me apparently and so he comes in and we walk down the hall and he keeps walking where we're walking and then we we get to our door and i open my door and usher my friends inside and this guy is still standing there and Finally, I don't, did you talk first, Jacob, or did I talk no, first? No, you were like, you were like, hey, can I help you? Where are you going? <laughs> and I was like, hey, I'm Carter's friend. We met in Richmond at like a training. <laughs> and uh, Katie was like, oh, yeah, cool. You can come in now. I feel like I'm a bad person because I really have no memory of the time I actually met Jacob. Oh, I remember the time I met Kirk, but that's okay. I'm, I'm like, this is the rare occasion I get to be the good person on this podcast. <laughs> was I a, only time. Was I a bad person when we met? No, I'm just a better person because I remember meeting you. Look, let me have this small victory. I don't have many. I remember when I met Katie. I remember when I meet a lot of my friends. Yeah, you just didn't, you know, make an impression. I like we'll talk offline. There's more to that story too. For a story for another day. Jacob just really likes the story because I'm a bitch and he's not, and so he likes to tell it a lot. No, like it's our it's our like completely platonic meet cute. It's it great. Like it it's the start to a rom com where I'm best friends with Katie's husband, and you know we all went on to have friendships about TV. This is a lame rom-com. <laughs> I would not rent that. So, is it as lame as Anne's party? And great the, pivot. Great the pivot. doctor <laughs> who shows up dressed as a doctor with a bottle of wine that he has no intention of actually leaving there? Right. I did write, yeah, super lame. Like, I really, if you're going to show up at a costume party, I... It really bugs me the people that show up and are like, "I'm a person." Like, shut up. Get in get into it. Wear a costume. I don't know. I... So does Anne not have any actual friends because her entire party appears to be people from work who kind of like her or are indifferent to her and people from the parks department who are probably there because they're afraid that Leslie would be very mean to them if they didn't go to Anne's party. So Who's actually there for Anne? Yeah, you do kind of get the feeling that Anne's life was um, not going places before she met Leslie. That Leslie really kind of turned it around for her. But she had Andy, and her her fellow nurses really loved Andy. <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot of really good things that happen here at this party. Like, first, April shows up with her boyfriend and his boyfriend, and my... 
the greatest moment of this episode is when her boyfriend is dressed as a straight person, and then immediately <laughs> Mark Brandanowitz like shows up wearing the definite straight man uniform of blue button down. Normally blue. Yeah, it's so. That's what I wear to parties. <laughs> well, I don't know what that says, Kirk, but my I husband owns... I am confirmably not gay. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Whoa. I am confirmably not straight, so... God, some of our listeners are going to be horrified by this interchange in our episode. Yeah. Oh, you, I, I, I'm editing around that. <laughs> no, it stays uh... in. <laughs> I will say, Anne's reaction to the the part of the party where Ron has shown up early and there's like two people there. I, like, I think all of us have been to a number of fundraisers. Katie, oh not usually running them, but being the Just first being person there. there. Like, uh, the beginning of uh, an event is the worst. Yes. Where if you are hosting it, all I do for the first 30 minutes is stress about... How many people are coming? Why are there not more people here? Does the number of people here project well to the number of people that will eventually arrive? I hate this part of an event. So you're saying it's like exit polls. Uh, but this <laughs> Yes, wow. a little bit. So this event, though, this situation in fundraising events and at this party where there's nobody there and you're sitting there wondering if the thing's about to completely tank is why candidates should not be at their fundraisers when they start. They should arrive about 20 minutes after the beginning so that they're not there freaking out when there's only three people in the room and two of them are the people who are hosting the event and the third is the intern who's taking names at the door. Like Anne. Right. Yes. But like, yeah, it's a little, I mean... Here's where the metaphor falls apart. Is like it's Anne's house party. I mean, she's got to be there. She can't come. Well, she's in. raising money for something here, right? I mean, you don't have a party if you're not. I, I, what? Sometimes people get together just to have fun, or stand around awkwardly. In Anne's case, uh, well, isn't that how straight people have fun? <laughs> stand around awkwardly. I didn't understand. <laughs> I didn't understand why they were having a party when it wasn't Iowa Caucus Night because that's when I have most of the parties that I host at my house. The Iowa caucuses are a great thing, and Iowa should have them forever. May they reign for a thousand years. <laughs> um, also, legally obligated to say that. Did Mark have? Did he change into his costume? Like, did he bring it? Maybe that was discussed, and I just glossed it. It wasn't. It. I just assumed that he had a lot of clothes here at Anne's house for reasons that we could discuss offline. If you don't, if you're not clear. <laughs> I'm clear, but a whole okay. basketball <laughs> outfit, like with the and, and, and a nonsensical basketball <laughs> outfit too. Ninety nine on the Indiana Pacers. That's not a real player. That's not a real player. So either he has a specialized jersey that says Brandanowitz on the back, which is a little weird for a dude in his what thirties, or like that's just a nonsense jersey that they grabbed out of a wardrobe heap somewhere in Indiana. Either way, it's a little weird. Yeah. I did notice it, and I was like, mm, Mark. So that's a basketball uniform. Okay. Yes. Sports ball. Um, and then obviously, yeah, we already talked about this, that all of Anne's nurse friends are immediately like, oh, you should get back together with Andy, which is great. <laughs> because fuck you, Mark Brandanowitz. I'm really like, I like leaning into this anti-Mark thing just specifically because it bothers people. So 
So we did skip over one of April's best lines in the entire episode, which is, I skipped a gay Halloween party to be here. Do you know how awesome gay Halloween parties are? Gay Halloween parties are awesome. They're, like, legitimately fantastic. I've been to, to big gay Halloween parties in New York City and in New Orleans, and, yeah, they're a lot better than Anne's party, even after Tom shows up. Before they started trimming them down, I went to a couple of Halloweens in the Castro District in San Francisco, and yeah, I agree, it was a, a lot more fun than most of the parties I throw. <laughs> you throw Although I, but they didn't even play diplomacy, Jacob. I, I know, as opposed to most of the parties I throw. But my, my favorite April line of the episode, and that's a high bar to clear, was when Anne takes the bottle of vodka away from her and says, you're underage, and April dead pants, you're not. (laughs) (laughs) It's not good to make fun of people for their age. I just, that's not, it's not right. It's not right at all. There's whole episodes of the Golden Girls that disagree with you. Oh, true. Let's do a Golden Girls podcast. That would be great. That was just red meat thrown up for pity. Yeah, I know. Uh, so back to um, Leslie and Louis C.K., who's really, I know he has a name in the show, but I kind of refuse. Dave. Dave. Um, are trying to stalk Greg Pukaitis. And I really like that <laughs> uh, Dave seems to be the only person really aware of the dangers of, like, all these government employees being filmed doing these very illegal things with their time. <laughs> he keeps trying to turn to the camera and say certain um, excuses. And I like it because everybody else seems to have completely moved on. Like, just do, do not care. I feel like Dave really should be teaching police officers how to be police officers. He seems incredibly conscientious and concerned about following the actual rules of the of the law like he seems like a good police officer we need more daves out there agreed sorry my note from that scene is that amy poehler's angry face is one of the funniest things this show does like her her just angry scrunched face that they both try to mock is just pure comedy gold well pakaitis makes a great joke about it later in the episode yeah he does i also like that she called him turdish yes like a turd. <laughs> um, so they find out that, well, they haven't figured out that it's Pokitis, but somebody has... Spoilers. I know. Uh, I'm assuming anyone listening to this has watched the entire episode. I don't think I have to sp- look out for episode <laughs> spoilers. They don't go minute by minute right. and splice us into the middle. I, don't I, thought, the- I, I thought we were recording commentary tracks. That's why our episodes are exactly the same length as the episode that we're discussing. Right. If we're twice as long, we're expecting people to listen on, on double speed. Exactly. That's the secret to making them perfect. Um, so someone TPs the parks department, writes happy Halloween suckas, and leaves a peach pit, which is how Leslie knows it's definitely Pokitis, because he was eating a peach when she really inappropriately stalked him at the high school. So that was, that was actually a clue that wasn't a sort of esoteric reference to Beverly Hills 90210. Oh yeah, the peach pit. Mm-hmm. What? Uh, that was <laughs> come on, Jacob. <laughs> that was the place that they hung out at, at on Beverly Hills 90210. It's also a uh, 80s and 90s themed dance party that happens at one of the gay clubs here in DC every month. So I've never seen Beverly Hills 90210. 
I mean, actually, I haven't seen that much of it, so I can't. <laughs> Honestly, I haven't either, but I was like the right age, yeah. so I just got saturated in it through yeah. popular culture. I mean, I've definitely seen some of it. And I watched that really terrible reboot that the CW did. I watched like seven seasons of that garbage, so. <laughs> Plus approximately 73% of the cast of 90210 has been on Riverdale. It's true, yeah. No, <laughs> so. that's how I'm getting to know them all over. All right, all right. We'll, we will discuss the fact that you two made me watch that show at a later date. Wasn't it great? We don't have time now for all of my feelings. Riverdale is the Parks and Rec of Archie Comics-based television shows. Totally. I, I hate I both of you and the choices you make me make. Um, okay, so wait. I want to come back to Anne's party for a second because... The, no one else does. I know, true. But I know. <laughs> the doctor decides that he's leaving and he takes the wine back with him. And... I realize in this moment it's kind of a shitty move because he's leaving like a big party full of people. But I have on occasion brought alcohol to somebody's house that they do not enjoy. And then when it's like time to leave, taking it back with me because I know they're not going to drink it. I don't know. What is the etiquette on this? Look, this may be a touchy subject, but I've done this at both of your houses before. I. I think the main problem here is that I didn't see him ever put it down. I feel like he carried that bottle of wine with him around the party the entire time, just waiting for the moment that he could bail. But he wanted the credit for having brought something upon arrival and not have the risk of anyone actually consuming it. Yeah, I mean, I, don't, I guess, which is that is poor form for sure. But is is this the same doctor who? just didn't care about HIPAA laws and told Anne all about Andy's medical conditions a few episodes ago? I don't know. We'd have to go back and look side by side to see. Listeners, do it. Right. Somebody. Figure it out. Tell us. Tell us in the comments. Right. Somebody let us know. This is what Twitter is for. <laughs> um, we need like a Reddit, like a subreddit thread. Yes, because that would bring a lot of positivity to this program. Yeah. I'm sure. I, I need a lot of things in my life, and subreddit thread has never been on the top Actually, of that I list. don't even know how Reddit works, so don't worry. It's not going to happen anytime soon. Um, so then, back at the police station, Leslie makes... Nope, not the police station. Oh, no. Right, department. it's the Parks Department. Oh, God. You just can't tell because of Leslie's behavior. Right. I feel like Katie might have been able to tell that she'd been Greg Pekitis's fake mom's defense attorney. It's true. Um, had I been paying better attention, I would have. It actually could make a big difference in suppressing his statement, whether he was, you know, like at a police station or a government building or at his house. So... Fun legal fact. Um, anyway, he's at the parks department and uh, he gets interrogated by Dave, who is, I would say, not great at interrogation. I agree. Great <laughs> police officer in terms of caring about the Fourth Amendment and people's rights. Not so good at the interrogating. Do you think this is his real interrogation style or is he really not have his heart in it here? I guess that's true. I don't know. Um, but you'd think, I don't know, you'd think he'd want to end this quickly. Also, because if he does get Greg Pekaitis to confess, then he's much less likely to get sued because he would And have, he's totally getting laid. Right. He would have been investigating a real crime. Right. And the whole getting laid thing. So if I were him, I would have wanted to get that information really, really soon. 
So he should have adopted some aggressive interrogation techniques like Burt Macklin does. Yes. So then Leslie <laughs> sends in Andy, who adopts his alter ego, Burt Macklin, FBI director. In order to think like one of these guys, you have to think like them. <laughs> um, I love Andy. I know. I do too. He's the best. And Greg Perkaitis makes him cry, which if you already weren't <laughs> against Greg Perkaitis, is like... Kind of the icing on the cake there. He wasn't How- crying. He was allergic to jerks. <laughs> How great would it have been to find out that he was secretly Jerry Gergich's son? Uh, like, I feel like he also fits the Jerry role of, we just put all our hate on him because we have to like everybody else in this new good Parks and Rec world. Yeah, that's true. Maybe. Um, I do... I do. I thought it was really funny where she's like, I will waterboard you. And they cut immediately to Dave being like, no, no, I do not think she would make a good cop. (laughs) (laughs) I would not want to live in the town where she is the cop. Right. Um, And so then who we think is Greg Pokaitis's mom shows up and actually makes some very reasonable points about (laughs) the fact that they could sue the city. Um, and that you can't just <laughs> illegally detain teenagers, especially in a government building, which is very, very, very <laughs> true. Very true. <laughs> so Dave has to go leave to tell his boss why I illegally detained a teenager. Yeah. Um, which, yeah. <laughs> if you had very litigious parents, um, could be some consequences. But again, if he'd gotten Greg to confess... I don't know, a lot of courts probably would have been like, meh, oh well, we've got the statement we need. This new Supreme Court definitely would be. Ugh. Yeah. Um, Why'd you have to make it real, Kirk? So, back to more fun things in the Supreme Court, Anne's party. Um, (laughs) Tom... (laughs) Gorsuch was not invited to Anne's party. Right. He would have shown up. But would have come dressed as a lawyer. Uh, so Tom shows up, he's dressed as T-Pain, which was, I had to, like... Who is that? He's... Guys, guys, we need to be less white. <laughs> I know who T-Pain it's is. Not, it's not so much that I'm white, it's that my musical taste never left 1999, so... So, so T-Pain is a hip-hop artist. He was very big around this time. Um, he had a very famous song called I'm in love with a stripper, which is what Tom sings when he's demonstrating who T-Pain is. Um, and Tom also shows up with his super hot wife who was looking super hot. Like they really just tried to like up the ridiculousness factor of, of her and Tom together. I think she turns it up to an 11. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so then, but then Tom is the one who actually turns Anne's party into an actual party, which I took notes, guys, turning (laughs) a party into a real party is turning off the lights, turning on hip hop and moving your couches into a square. Done. Yeah. In a lot of ways, this is like everything I don't like about parties though, because it's dark and it's loud and there's clearly massive social pressure on everyone to drink more than they should. And dance. I will drink. I do not enjoy dancing. Nobody wants to see you dance, Jacob. I I know, as is evidenced by 
31 years of demonstrations. I enjoy all these things, but I don't do it anymore because I'm 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 a mom. I'm old. No one wants to see that anymore. But back in the day, I did enjoy parties and dancing. Okay. I thought Hufflepuffs loved to oh, dance. Oh, stop. <laughs> so mean. I am not a Hufflepuff. Not- you are 25% Hufflepuff. <laughs> Three times me. Never going to live this down. I have never been more ashamed of an online quiz in my life. We probably have some Hufflepuff listeners, and we love you. We, you know, it's just not a life choice. Yeah. That we Actually, my ourselves. Hufflepuff husband was really offended with how upset I was. So, <laughs> yes. Has Carter no. actually taken the test and gotten Hufflepuff? Yes. No, he took the Pottermore test and got Hufflepuff. That is the canonical one. Like okay. that one. Yes. I know. It's yeah. upsetting. I know. Anyway, we get side conversation about, about that. We'll return to yeah. this. Um, and so then there's this very weird scene that I had kind of forgotten about this subplot where Ron and Wendy have a very, I would categorize it as flirtatious conversation in the kitchen. Um, and Ron's like, I'd hate for you to go back to Canada, all that socialized medicine, which... <laughs> Sounds pretty good to me right now. <laughs> this this podcast comes out in nine days. We'll either have healthcare or not. Oh, they pulled the vote this afternoon, so yep. you know. Oh, did I just spoil that we don't record these the day yeah. they come out? It's all right. I feel like people get that. Um, or we can just cut it. I think we've actually explicitly said right. that before. So right, but anyway, so this Ron and Wendy thing is I, even though we know it's a green card marriage, I don't. It still makes me uncomfortable i don't know i don't really know why i don't know that i can put my finger on it maybe it's ron swanson trying to flirt i don't know but it because katie has a deep respect for the traditional institution of marriage yes that's it no it's just the way that like (laughs) there's something about the way that ron is acting i don't know it's it it's it bothered me we saw duke silver flirt with a bunch of you know presumably septuagenarians a couple of weeks ago uh like and you were good with that but him flirting with the attractive woman in the uh i don't even know what you would call it uh sham marriage yes i think it's because he means it like the women when he's duke silver that's all just like an act but this is like really ron swanson being awkward trying to flirt with this girl and it's you're jealous. Oh, maybe. <laughs> that could be it. Clearly. Clearly. Like, this is why I get so mad at Leslie once uh, Adam Scott shows up. Yeah. No, it's true. I'm, I'm, willing, I'm willing to talk that out. You know, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's possible. I do have a question about what they're doing at this party when it turns into a real party. When Tom puts cups down on the table and they're all going to take shots in what appeared to be a drinking game. I was expecting to see cups for flip cup or cups to throw in for Beirut or some form of drinking game. It appears they're playing drink the shot as a <laughs> yeah, drinking game. Yeah, that, that is exactly what they're drinking. That's the social pressure I was talking about. <laughs> as a man who enjoys drinking once in a while, that's not a good drinking game. That's just a recipe for sadness. <laughs> I had not noticed. Recipe for Sadness would not be a Duke Silver album title. No, no. 
Unless he went through like a dark phase. <laughs> <laughs> like what was it when when Garth Brooks decided to be a rock oh, singer Chris and had that fake name? Yeah. Yes. Oh, Garth. <laughs> what is Duke Silver's Chris Gaines phase? <laughs> That is a web series I would watch for sure. <laughs> um, so we go back to Leslie and really just Andy now back at the um, at the parks department because Dave had to leave to explain to his boss. And Leslie says she she thinks that she says I believe you're innocent until proven guilty in this country. It's a cornerstone of democracy, and it. But Andy's like, sure. And then she's like, on the other hand, he's a little punk. And I was like, oh, every jury I've ever had. Cool. Got it. Fine. <laughs> totally fine. He didn't testify in his own defense. Therefore, he must be guilty. I'm just saying that is that is not a cornerstone of democracy, though. That has nothing to do with the governing system and the electoral process. No, it's that true. has to do with Russia telling people who, you know, did what if that wasn't true 30 years ago. So they decide to go TP Greg Pokitis' house and egg it. I don't know where they got eggs, but they definitely upped it enough. Sure, there's an all-night store somewhere. Right. Um, they stopped by at a, at a JJ's Diner and picked up a half dozen right. of eggs. And, yeah. and so they, whatever, Dave shows up and he's kind of horrified at what they've done. And they, you know, this woman winds up coming out and turns out that... <laughs> She is Greg Pekaitis' actual mom, and Greg Pekaitis had hired a fake mom, which, like, at this point, I am incredibly impressed with this teenager. Like, we should give him awards for things. Do, do you think he hired a hooker to pretend to be his mom? <laughs> Why did you go to a hooker? Because he got her from, like, the internet, right? And, like, where do you find some... Yeah, exactly. There, where do you... Where do there, you... Are, there are things that happen on Craigslist that are not prostitution. Yeah, but not... I, here's where Kirk is right. Not, like, random <laughs> women for hire. Right, right. You're, you're looking for someone you can pay to come, like commit some sort of right crime with you possible for crime it's possibly a crime to lie to a police officer that you're someone's parent like that's why i think it might have been a prostitute is that he's hiring someone to do something that is clearly kind of unethical even though he was being illegally detained so i guess it's either a hooker or a lawyer from the aclu <laughs> it's one of those two things uh yeah no that's a good point I, there probably aren't women on craigslist like there's not just some sort of like woman willing to do anything eight dollars an hour golden girls reference um for you know that aren't prostitutes i'm just saying if you go on craigslist and i haven't done this but if you go on craigslist and were to search for mother impersonator <laughs> you probably aren't going to find these in like the the, the normal section of the site all right i'm sure you and buster would have similar struggles with that search so has anyone ever tp'd a house because yes no. i haven't i i was thinking about, i never did that as a kid yeah i don't think i yep. ever did either yep well you were cooler than us jacob Good job. No, no, that's, that's, you keep <laughs> using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. Um, so, go ahead. I, I do love that in this scene again, Dave continues to just try to de-escalate everything over and right. over and over again. As, as Leslie just refusing to even consider that and tries to re-escalate over and over and over again. 
It's yeah. just, yeah, he, he is so wonderful in this episode. And Andy is great in this episode, too. Like, the loyalty that he shows to Leslie throughout this crazy plot is really endearing. Um, yeah, he's really there. I think that we're turning the corner and we're about to build Andy up uh, to the Andy that we know he can be. Because I agree, he's he's very sweet and maybe not always competent, but like giving it a hundred and ten percent, um, for sure. And I, I too, I, I really liked. <laughs> when Dave is trying to explain the actual consequences of, you know, like this juvenile crime, like he's, he's going to get probation. <laughs> like it's going to be nothing. It's not going to be on his permanent <laughs> record. Like, I don't know. I liked it. Yeah. You do think that a couple seasons from now, Greg Pakaitis is probably canvassing for Bobby Newport though. Oh Yeah. He's got the hair for We should it. discuss canvassing. No, no, I think we're Guys, good. we've never done that we're before. Good. I think we will not hang on to the few listeners that we've managed to keep past that episode. <laughs> we're growing. Our, our empire is growing. Yes. Um, so then they kind of have this uh, little, like, I don't know. I feel like this happens in a lot of, like, cop detective movies where at the very end... They show you how the person did it, like a um, now you see me kind of thing, which is not a cop or a detective show, but it's the only thing that jumped into my mind. Um, you actually watched that movie? Uh, we own the double feature of now you see me and now you see me too. Just a longer story, but the first one's good. <laughs> I don't believe no, that. No, it is. Okay. It's got the little Franco. It's good. It's good. <laughs> um uh, sure. the second one is not good at all um but yeah so they show like how he did it he dressed as a janitor and then manages to like steal keys and jump in through a window and you know do the whole thing before he then gets to where leslie was staking him out and uh, whatever it, that wasn't my favorite part i was like okay i don't we already know he's clever no. like yeah. No, Andy yelling five oh when Dave shows up and jumping into the bushes is great. Um the other question I had though is that like they have this footage. I mean clearly this camera crew had been following him around. They knew what he had done, but then they were also following Leslie around and were like, ho hum, I don't know. Who knows what could happen? Like are they really We've talked about yeah, we've talked about this before. Like, I don't think we're meant to believe there's an actual documentary crew. The documentary crew is there when it's funny, and they're not when it's not. Like, I, I, I don't think they exist in any sort of coherent form. I agree, though. Pakaitis does break the fourth wall and smirk right at the camera at the end of his little criminal spree there. Right. So. Right. Because it's funny, so they're meant to be there. Like, I, I don't think it's meant to obey any laws of... I don't know what to say. Thermodynamics? No, that's not it. Definitely not it. Uh, well, e everything on the show does actually obey the laws of thermodynamics. So there'd be no show. Does this show? <laughs> I don't think this show passes the Bechdel test. Uh, no, do, don't um, Andy, not Andy, do, don't Anne and uh, Leslie <laughs> talk about the party at the very beginning? Oh, yeah, maybe they do. Yeah. yeah. And, well, but they're mostly talking about Greg Bacchitis. Yeah, I guess one of them is fixated on Greg Pakaitis, and the other one is talking about a party. Damn it, so, yeah, Leslie. I guess you're right. This is, 
This one doesn't pass. <laughs> Leslie is the reason we failed a Bechdel test and wanted to pass, but uh, Leslie... Leslie's uh, obsession with a 16-year-old boy just got in the way. Oh, I mean, Anne, Anne and April do discuss their relative ages at one point. Is is three lines enough to pass the Bechdel test? Yeah, I don't know. It's enough to pass the comedy test. I don't know <laughs> if Bechdel, because that's good comedy. Yes. Um, what, the other thing we didn't talk about is at the very end of Anne's party when everybody is leaving and Tom kind of has this like moment where he's talking about how great his wife is and you start to get the sense that maybe for Tom... This is a little more than a green card marriage. I mean, it's just like a quick little scene. So, um, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Yep. But it's... Uh, Listeners, stay tuned. Maybe that'll come to right. something. But, yeah. Da-na-na. Anyway, I just... <laughs> poor Tom. I know. It's so sad. Uh, I don't imagine Tom will be wearing a red golf shirt anytime in our future. I don't get your reference. You guys are terrible. Yeah, I, I'm I'm lost. Are we terrible, or cool. was your joke bad, Jacob? Guys, you actually uh, stay tuned, listeners. You'll all be with me soon enough. Are you referencing something on Parks that Kirk and I don't remember? No, now yes! I rem- now I remember it actually, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna help Katie. No, it's fine. I'll wait for it to happen, and then it'll be a fun surprise. <laughs> oh goddamn it, guys! All right, anybody have anything else we didn't talk about? This one's pretty cut and dry, I think. It's a really good episode. I really enjoyed it. I don't know if we've said that. Like, it's just, it is an episode of a show that is in full swing, just churning them out. Not a lot of plot advances here. There's some little side things that advance, but it's just a funny episode of TV. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry that we never see Greg Pakaitis again, because I liked him and uh, his sort of smirkish interplay with Leslie here. I, I would have enjoyed if we revisited the Halloween episode every year of this, and it was the episode people won Emmys for, like the Christmas episode of The West Wing, except that nobody on Parks and Rec wins Emmys because the Emmys are stupid, other than maybe Amy yeah. Poehler. Well, we'll rant about that at a future time. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Give her on Swanson an Emmy. <laughs> I agree. I think it's just like, it's just a solid run-of-the-mill episode. You know, it's good. Yep. It's it's not top anything, but it's just good and, and enjoyable. And I think we're kind of going to have a, a lot of those. And that's awesome. Yep. So if you want to clue me in. Hang on, hang on, hang on. We, we were going to discuss <gasps> the, uh, the we put up a uh, Harry Potter quiz for uh, which of us te- on Harry Potter Day. Uh, the 20th anniversary, uh, we put up a uh, set of quizzes for which of us tested as what percentage of what houses. And uh, does somebody want to reveal uh, the winner of our uh, guess, the, guess the Hosts contest? Which of which there is no prize? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's the prize of getting mentioned by name on this America's favorite Parks and Recreation podcast that is currently in production. Um, so Mike Erickson correctly guessed that Katie was sorted into Gryffindor. I was sorted into Ravenclaw and Jacob clearly is a Slytherin. And that's, that's the only thing that matters. Those top percentages, the end, there's no real need to talk about any of the lesser percentages because they're really not important. Okay. So if you want to engage with us further, (laughs) you can visit our Facebook page at facebook.com slash 
Icetown Clowns. You can tweet at us at at Icetown Clown Pod. You can visit our website, www.icetownclowns.com, or send us an email, icetownclowns at gmail.com. Next week, now don't get too excited, people, but next week we're watching the eighth episode of season two, which is titled Ron and Tammy. Ron and Tammy. Woo! <laughs> so watch this episode and come back here next Thursday to hear us talk about it because, spoilers, it's awesome. So thank you. And while you're going on to iTunes or Amazon or wherever to download that episode to watch it, you're already on your computer. Swing by the iTunes store and please give us a five-star rating. That'll help us grow our audience so that more people can be with us with us next week as we watch the arrival of the first and perhaps greatest Tammy. You've been listening to Ice Town Clowns, a podcast about Leslie Nope and her arch nemesis, Greg Bakaitis. Thank you very much. We hope to see you next week. The end of that podcast is now. <laughs>